Good morning. This is Edward Meir with Commodity Research Group, and today I'll be speaking with our special guest, Mr. Fred Demler of Demler Hedge Advisory on base metals markets, something he and I have been covering for many years now. Uh, Fred has spent the last 40 years in various management and research roles, uh, most recently at INTL FC Stone and before that at MF Global. He's also been at Payne Weber, Drexel Burnham, and Exxon. Uh, Fred has a PhD in mineral economics from Penn State and was recently awarded a Category 7 membership from the LME. Uh, this is quite a special award, and Fred is the only American to have gotten this lifetime achievement distinction uh, from the exchange. First, a couple of housekeeping items. You can learn more about CRG at commodityresearchgroup.com. We would like to thank our friend Doug Stetzer of EKT Interactive Oil, Gas and Training for hosting this podcast. You can check out his daily newsletter, podcast and learning modules at ektinteractive.com. Finally, this con podcast should be construed as market commentary, merely observing economic, political, and market conditions, and is not intended to refer or to endorse any particular trading system or strategy. We're not responsible for trading decisions taken by anyone not intended to listen, uh, and information in this podcast is not guaranteed to be accurate. This is not an offer to buy or sell any derivatives. With that, let's start with Fred as our guest. Uh, we'll be discussing base metals, uh, the role of Chinese funds, and general impressions Fred may have uh, about China. So Fred, welcome. I'd like to first start uh, by asking you, about your recent trip to China. I know you were there recently for the Sesco dinner. Uh, I was just curious what your impressions were, how the mood was over there, and um, anything else you'd like to share about that. Yeah, well, I think the mood has changed in China. Uh, the, uh, the, the Chinese five years ago were very bullish in the market. I think over the course of the last few years, they're bullishness has turned to a, a, a negative view with the slowdown in, in the economy and the buildup in stocks. But more recently, uh, in, the last, uh, in the last year and particularly over the last few months, I think the Chinese have become bullish again. I think uh, uh, although the uh, Chinese economy is slowing, it's still growing at a very healthy pace in the, the 6 to almost 7% range. Uh, the economies outside of uh, China are strong. Europe, Japan are all performing well. I think there's some optimism now that there are the tax cuts have gone through and uh, there's a view that um, we're going back to where the market was looking a, a year ago when people showed some optimism on infrastructure spending. So uh, I think the Chinese are, are uh, you can see a, a, a some optimism, the sentiment has improved in China, and uh, they're, they're, they're going from their short positions to long positions, uh, a shift that has evolved over the course of the year. Uh, I also think uh, on the Chinese, Chinese investor, investor demand 
um, fairly negative in, in most of 2016-17, but now the, the funds are becoming more friendly to the market, both in the retail and the high net worth. So I think uh, um, the, the seeds of a, uh, of a, of a rebound in the, in the metal space uh, coming partly from China, coming partly from the West are, are in place. Yes, I agree with that. In fact, we, we see it uh, this week in, uh, in, uh, in the markets. The LME has uh, opened, uh, uh, as you know, after being off for the last two days. And uh, we are now uh, pretty much at multi-month highs on copper, on uh, aluminum, I think, is at its two-month high. So it seems that many of these uh, variables that you pointed out are, are at play. And uh, we had a, a, sh a sharp sell-off early in December, but we have uh, apparently recovered from that. So, um, Ed, 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 just on your front, uh, you, you, you're following the market much closer than, than I do. You, you follow it on a day-to-day, minute-to-minute basis. What, what do you think are the main, main drivers uh, you saw in the, in the base metals this past year? And, what do you think these will be going into uh, 2018? All right. Well, um, I think really the main driver looking back uh, at, at this year, 2017, almost over, there were two, two variables. One was kind of the leftover bullish impetus from the U.S. elections uh, that kind of fueled this uh, Trumpflation trade where everyone got excited about higher growth, higher infrastructure spending. That kind of died down in January, February of this year. And then we had another wave up, uh, led mainly by copper, where two of the largest copper mines, Escondida in Chile and Grasberg in, in Indonesia, both went on strike. Uh, that kind of lifted copper and lifted the, the whole group in general. Those were quickly settled. Uh, prices came off. And I think the second half of the year, and certainly a theme that will stay in place for 2018, is the big concern people have about the Chinese production cutbacks that, are, that have been mandated for environmental reasons. And these are still going on. Uh, I think they'll continue to go on next uh, into 2018, which means that supply is going to remain you know, what it is, it's fairly restrained. Demand is good, as you pointed out. Uh, but this, this, uh, this move to control production in China is going to keep uh, prices fairly elevated in going into next year. So th that, in a nutshell, is what I think has been uh, the main drivers uh, for both this year and, and next. Um, and just feeding on that on the supply side there, you mentioned the the strikes in copper a year ago was, uh, was a driver in the market. And uh, you mentioned about the Chinese uh, production cutbacks this year. Um, tell me on the labor front, particularly in the West, what, what are the, the labor contracts looking like for uh, 2018? Is there, are there any major producers coming up? Is, is the volume uh, that is under negotiation high or low? And uh, and on the China front, you know, I, I'm seeing that the focus was initially ferrous and aluminum, but it seems to be shifting over to uh, the other base metals, copper and zinc and nickel, for example. 
Right. So what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts there? Yeah. Well, we have about 40 labor negotiations slated for 2018. Most of them are in Chile, but not all. Uh, there are some in Indonesia as well. So there is about, you know, the estimates vary. There's about 3 million tons of copper that is sort of falls under the umbrella of various uh, labor negotiations. And these include the unions, they include the supervisors union, the mine workers, the independent contractor, so it runs the gamut. So copper, I think, uh, is going to be very closely watched because of, of, of the scores of, of labor negotiations that, that are going on. And in fact, it, it's sort of close to its highs uh, right now as we speak. Uh, aluminum has been also quite uh, steady uh, because they've really taken the knife to production in China, they've cut about 3 million tons of aluminum so far, which is about 10% of their local production, which is a big, big chunk. Uh, in fact, today I read that uh, one of the provinces was uh, backpedaling a bit on the cuts. The government went in, uh, fined them, and ordered them to, uh, to implement the, their cuts across the board. So the government is taking this fight very, very seriously, unlike previous initiatives. So I think that's, that's really a, a, a big difference uh, in terms of the metals outlook. We've seen these uh, pro proclamations come and go over the years, but this one, this one has teeth and the government is serious because pollution is really a, a terrible problem over there. Uh, zinc, is, zinc and lead are suffering from the same things, lots of environmental cutbacks. Uh, in zinc's case, Glencore is, is uh, sitting uh, on number a number of mines and has not restarted production, and that is keeping the zinc market fairly tight. Lead is also quite tight in that uh, concentrate supply is limited. Uh, demand has been pretty good, both from the automobile side and the uh, uh, battery, uh, electric bike battery manufacturing side out of China. And nickel has been kind of, uh, as you mentioned earlier, really took off about two months ago, uh, just as we got together for the LME dinner in late October, early November. There were all sorts of conferences talking about how much nickel will be used in uh, various uh, electric vehicle batteries. So that, that caused a spike in prices. So the whole complex is looking very tight, both from a fundamental point of view, uh, a macro point of view, uh, a stock situation point of view. So uh, I think, you know, we, we're going to have an elevated trading range in all these metals going into next year. You know, it's interesting when one steps back, you look at bull markets and bear markets in the, in the metal space and uh, the seeds of a bull market are, are planted when, when, when prices are low uh, producers are forced to cut back because they're not covering costs. Right. Investment spending is low, uh, and, and this all happened in the in the base metals in 2014 and 15, and and parts of 16, where we had a very low low price environment, and the, on the supply side, production got cut back. Uh, going forward, a lot of those plants are still shut. Uh, we had the ad additional. Uh, shock of the environmental 
uh, pollution uh, issues in China. We had the, a, a group of labor contracts coming up this year. So um, we've also seen inventories decline. So on the supply front, uh, there's a lot of tightness on the on the demand front, as, as uh, we've pointed out. China's China's slowing, but running at a very healthy pace, double, triple the growth in the West, and uh, there's synchronized growth in, uh, in 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 all the major economies. Something the the market hasn't seen it in a long time. So, um, and then you add the last piece of, of the funds. The funds have gone from uh, um, fairly negative, particularly on the index funds where people saw the negative returns, but those returns turned positive in uh, 2017. So, you have the fundamentals, you have the funds, the speculative elements, all, all coming together and forming a very uh, constructive environment, I think, for the, for the base metals in general. No, I agree. Uh, absolutely right. Um, uh, and, you know, you mentioned uh, the, the seeds of this bull market were kind of sown uh, two years ago, and, and that's exactly what, what was happening. I mean, I remember in 2014-15 how much pressure all these mining companies were under, rumors of, of many of them going bust. Um, so, you know, Obviously, there was nobody spending any money on any development, and now when we need the metal, it's not going to be there for, for a while. Um, Fred, I wanted to ask you if you looked at any of the uh, uh, exchanges, uh, and maybe you could talk about the interplay between the LME, uh, the CME, and the Shanghai contracts, and you know who is best positioned to take advantage of all these contracts that are coming up, number one. And number two, will they gain traction? I know the CME has introduced a, a few, as has the LME. And um, w which group will, will be in the best position to take advantage of these contracts? Well, there is a lot of uh, competition going on among the exchanges. Uh, um, uh, the LME, the... Uh, uh, the CME, the Comac contract, and uh, in the Shanghai Futures Exchange. What is very interesting with, with all three of those exchanges is the the, the new leadership is uh, are, are 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 very uh, knowledgeable and and uh, individuals and uh, um, and and I and I have a positive view on growth for all of them. The LME struggled over the last few years with a, a declining volume. Um, but the, well, there was a discussion paper that was put in place uh, this year, this past past few months, quarters, and um, uh, Matt Chamberlain has has, has, has uh, made some major changes in the exchange with fee cuts, uh, with with plans to add new contracts, with uh, uh, a variety of measures to, in making trading easier, facilitating trading among the different uh, user groups and uh, also maintaining the, uh, the physical nature of the exchange, which is a core asset. So I have a, a very positive view that LME volumes are going to pick up from uh, where, they where they've been declining for the last three years. On the CME front, um, uh, CME has, has, has uh, introduced a a number of contracts, most recently the Shanghai premium contract, 
um, um, and, and that is uh, starting to show some traction. Um, it's, it's, kind of, it's a key contract in the physical market for copper. Um, when you think about China, China 20 years ago represented 8% of global consumption for, for metals and for copper. Today, it's 50%. So when one is looking at physical market, it, it is China, and the China Shanghai uh, premium is a, is a key benchmark for, for the base metals. Um, uh, there's also been some nice best stories from the CME, the copper growth in the copper volumes have uh, been phenomenal. Um, and they almost think they're off by a decimal point, but you're seeing growth at 20, 30% a year. And, uh, um, and then, and then uh, you also have growth in the options on the CME. Um, and uh, the CME has also had success in its ferrous contracts as well as in its aluminum premium in, in the U.S., the Midwest premium. So, um, um, it's in some ways it's it's kind of surprising because uh, 20 years ago you think of uh, uh, the CME as being a, a domestic market for copper and it has uh, expanded substantially and uh, uh, as a global market part of it is is it's, uh, its use of indices the the plat indices the metal bulletin indices as about as opposed to physical delivery and. Uh, I think the, the CME is very aggressive and, uh, and will see continued growth in all of its contracts. Um, on the Shanghai Futures Exchange, um, although copper volumes have slowed, uh, they've introduced a number of other new contracts in, in nickel, lead, and zinc, and aluminum. And uh, that has more than made up the slowdown in, in, in copper. Um, and uh, the China itself is looking to introduce an energy contract in the Shanghai Free Trade Zone, mm. which will allow Western investors to trade. If, if, if that opens and is successful, um, that's really just a stepping stone to introducing metals contracts, the copper contract. And if that occurs, that will uh, uh, lead to uh, another surge in volumes as uh, the Western investors are chomping at the bit to trade Shanghai. So. Uh, yeah, uh, this could be the first step in a uh, shift to uh, 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 another round of growth, in, in which will, because of arbitrage opportunities, growth in Shanghai will help the CME as well as LME. Yes, that's very interesting. Yeah, so you think all all these markets kind of will piggyback on on each other and 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 kind of do fairly well as as they become more uh, widely traded. Right, I think I think so. I mean, there's a lot of arbitrage that takes place. Yeah. LME Comex, LME Shanghai, Comex Shanghai, right. uh, uh, Shanghai LME. Uh, so as one grows, that helps the other. I think uh, uh, we've gone from a period of, uh, you know, we've been in a metals recession for the last five six years, and that's turned around last year. So that's that's sure. very positive. Yeah. Um, it's going to help on the fundamental side and the growth and need of hedging. And uh, on, the, on the speculative institutional side, I think that's going to uh, perform well as, as the market returns to the base metals for, uh, for, for trading. So, and, uh, and given what the exchanges are doing to help facilitate trading, open up new contracts, make it easier to trade, and provide a, a market for a wider audience, I think uh, 
uh, the volumes and the, and the metal exchanges are, are going to improve over the next few years. Right. Um, Fred, we'll wind up with one last question, which is, uh, uh, which is my, my question on these Chinese funds. You've met many of them. Some of them, many of them were your clients uh, in days past. Uh, don't you think the Chinese funds versus the Western funds have a more natural advantage in trading given their, you know, obviously being in China, given their access to the Chinese markets, to the Chinese physical markets, uh, plus the Western markets? Don't you think they're in a sweet spot in terms of uh, trading ability? <laughs> well, I think, yeah, I think you're, you're spot on. Uh, it's, uh... Uh, well, they also have an unfair advantage in that they they can trade the Western markets and they can trade the Chinese markets. So that makes right. for very good uh, arbitrage opportunities. Whereas Western traders can trade LME, they can trade COMEX, but they cannot trade Shanghai um, right. as an investor outside. So that, there is that. But the Chinese speculative market is very interesting. It's a, uh, I, I break it into a number of different groups. There's the retail. And it's a retail is huge there. They have a herd mentality, and one day they may be trading equities, the next day they're trading steel, uh, con ferrous contracts, and the next day they're trading copper or, or aluminum or nickel. Um, but they're they're very directional. They're short 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 dated traders, so they typically aren't holding uh, positions a long time. But the the volumes are huge, and they can can move the market. The and and that continues to uh, that overall. Uh, group continues to grow. Uh, um, the other group in China are what I call the high net worth uh, individuals. Um, you could think of it as funds, but they're more uh, almost like a family office, but they're super wealthy family offices. And uh, they take a bigger view, and you know, oftentimes these funds won't have, they have their own research departments, very sophisticated research departments. And the fact that they're sitting in Shanghai, in Shenzhen, in, in, in Beijing, wherever. Um, and and, and they, they can feel the temperature of the market uh, and the fact that they know China better than, than uh, individuals in the West and the fact that China's gone from, uh, again, 8% of, of global metals usage to 50%. Um, understanding China gives you a key to understanding the base metals and, and, their, and this is their backyard in the they're very focused, and uh, yes, they, uh, you, you can't ignore the Chinese investor, and uh, um, and, and and they've been very successful uh, mm -hmm. over the last five years. Right. All right, Fred. Well, I think we will wrap it up here. Uh, we certainly would like you back uh, very soon to talk about the markets again. But in the meantime, thank you very much for your time, and thank you, everybody out there, for listening. This is Edward Muir at CRG signing off.